0: Welcome to Grab life, big, <laughs> Grab life Big, the exclusive podcast for healthy,
1: wealthy, generous men who choose to lead epic life, or as a few of us say, bad-ass rich guys <laughs> would do epic
0: shit. And now, your host, that's Hybin. If this is empty, this
1: doesn't matter. i you were home. The wrong tribe confounds, the right tribe compounds. Get your free copy of the runaway bestseller, Tribe of Millionaires, a $20 value at tribeofmillionaires.com free. Just pay the shipping. That's tribeofmillionaires.com. All right, go bros. I got Dr. Jeremy Mathis on the line. Jeremy, welcome to the go bro room. Thank you. Good to talk with you, Pat. Hey, Jeremy, why don't you kind of give everybody a little rundown on yourself, like five minutes. Day you were born to today.
0: Sure. So um, I was born in Denver, Colorado. Moved away from there when I was two. Moved to Pittsburgh, Pennsylvania. Lived there from uh, two years old to 12 years old. Um, Then moved to Columbus, Ohio, which is where I live now. I moved around a lot for schooling and education to Indiana, back to Ohio, um, Pennsylvania, uh, Eastern Pennsylvania, and then back to Ohio, which is where I've been for probably about the past 14 years. I essentially moved 14 different times in, I think, about 12 years. Uh, I tell people that I graduated from the 26th grade, where when I was in training, I was working about 100-hour work weeks and paid less than minimum wage while going into more debt as time went on. So my mom was a teacher. Growing up, my dad was a preacher, so I was uh, kind of raised in a pretty strict house, And uh, but I was the typical, what I'll call the, the pastor's kid, where I was the partier and the guy that went out and hung out and, and played probably a little bit too much more than uh, my dad would have appreciated. But I played soccer and tennis in high school uh, and then played also both of them in college for my first year. Uh, I realized that my grades were suffering, and if I wanted to get into med school, I needed to bring my grades up. So my second year, I stopped sports, focused on my grades, got those back up. My third year, I played soccer again, and then my fourth year, I was interviewing for med school, so I didn't commit to playing soccer. Just I didn't want to you know, have to miss soccer games because of interviews, and med school was kind of my priority at that point. So I played soccer up until about eight years ago. I stopped because I did surgery on five guys on my team in one season, uh, so I figured I either <laughs> learned from their pain or I learned from my own pain, so I figured I learned from their pain. <laughs> so. Married to my wife, Mandy, for 15 years. We just celebrated our 15-year anniversary this summer uh, with a trip up to Banff, Canada, which is beautiful. Um, we met at church camp when we were 12 years old. I was living in Pittsburgh. She was living in Columbus. We ended up growing in the, growing up in the same church, but didn't date until I was actually in med school, so it was a while. I've uh, got a 14-year-old son, Noah, who plays soccer and baseball, and I've coached his soccer teams for probably five to six years. I've got a 12-year-old daughter named Natalie, and she's a pretty competitive gymnast, and she also plays softball, and I've coached her softball teams for the past three years. And um, during those, you know, coaching times, I try to not only coach the kids in their, you know, the sport, but also try to include some life lessons, and that way I can kind of create the environment that I want them to grow up in. So I try to be pretty intentional about that.
1: That's good, buddy. Well, listen, I got a ton of questions here. I mean, this is – we we can go many different directions in this – so, um, I, one one curious question. Let's go deep on this, uh, since I got you. So, right, you operated on five guys on your on your college team playing soccer.
0: It was actually I mean, yeah, what, it was actually the rec teams that I was playing in after college.
1: The rec teams, okay, that makes more sense. Okay, yep. so the rec teams you're playing after college. I mean, does that skew your your opinion at all of the way? Americans are kind of obsessive with having their kids in recreational sports.
0: Well, I think what excuse my opinion of that is not necessarily the recreational sports because I think that's pretty necessary and it helps, you know, teach you a lot of life lessons, you know, team bonding, leadership, you know, all those kinds of things, you know, how to make a mistake, how to apologize to somebody and all that kind of thing, accountability. But what it is is a lot of parents live vicariously through their kids and you know, I've got 10 and 12 year old kids coming into my office now who, you know, their parents think that they're going to be the next professional football player. And, you know, odds are, they're probably not going to be. So that's kind of the, try to, try to do it for the kid, not necessarily for the adult and the parents.
1: So, so what sports have the less injuries for kids? What sports? because, because, you know, I know a lot of guys who are in their forties, thirties, twenties, fifties that have really Bad injuries from when they wrestled, or when they played soccer, or when they played rugby, and it you know these are things that don't go away, right? Like they're they like they do a surgery, and then ten years later comes back, and it's like looking back, uh, you know, they're like, I shouldn't have kept playing rugby after college. You know what I mean? So so what right. what what sports would you recommend to parents listening? to have their kids play versus others like pick, pick the best one. What's the best sport if I had to pick one?
0: Well, that's, that's a really tough question. And I'll, I'll dodge it by saying it all depends. So that's it's
1: probably swimming.
0: There's, yeah, there is swimming, but there's a lot of shoulder injuries and, and other issues with swimming. So it's, it's extremely variable. So I'd probably say, do what you feel comfortable with and what your kid likes to, and enjoys because you don't want to force them because otherwise they're going to resent it and not want to do it. And my goal of, you know, of having my kids in athletics is to get them to have fitness and, you know, some of the team bonding stuff that I mentioned earlier and not necessarily worry about the injuries, but do as much as you can training and to prevent the injuries. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So I,
1: All right. So, so let's on. jump into your, your, some of your one sheet questions. So uh, what's your uh, horizontal income?
0: My horizontal is probably about 200,000 and I get that from, uh, 13 single-family houses. So I think I'm in about nine syndications with multifamily properties, and I'm in a lot of um, oil and gas drilling and exploration.
1: Oh, that's interesting. So, tell me about the oil and gas drilling. Like, uh, how'd you get into that, and what are you what do you in yes. exactly? If anybody listening wants to look into it.
0: Yeah, so I'm going There's a group called Reef Oil and Gas Company um, or Corporation, and they they're kind of in the rich dad, poor dad Robert Kiyosaki network. And I found them through Rich Dad Poor Dad. I kind of just said, if he built the network and he trusts these people, I'm going to give them a call. And so I've been investing with them for probably about the past five years. Um, There've been some that go well. There's some that don't. But for me, a lot of it is tax benefits where if they're drilling, excuse me, if they're exploring, there's some tax write-off benefits that in my tax bracket is very helpful. So I get the tax write-off right up front. And then any cash flow that comes in is is a bonus. Interesting.
1: All right. And... uh, and what about your monthly bills, like your family? What do you spend every month?
0: Monthly bills probably around forty-five, me, forty thousand dollars a year or a month. So about five hundred k a year, and a lot of that is travel and experiences, and not necessarily just things. So, for example, this year we've gone probably taken ten different trips to various places in and out of the country, and you know, I'd rather spend my money on that than than uh, things.
1: So you're about a forty-eight percenter then. Yeah, about that. Okay, all right, good. And uh, what would you say your horizontal to net worth ratio is? Like, if I took your net worth, uh, if I took your this two fifty a year, two forty a year, divided by your net worth, what's that? What's that number?
0: My net worth is about four point
1: five million, so that's about. It's about a half. Sure. About a half a percent. Five percent. Yeah. Five percent. No, a half a percent. Half percent. Yeah. So that's interesting, right? And and yeah. a lot, I think a lot of people don't really think about that, you know. And and I think probably what happens is, and this this kind of happens to me too, is we start getting equity in these properties, and then you know we don't redeploy it. I mean, did it, Do you have a lot of equities in your thirteen single family homes?
0: Not a lot. I've got those leveraged pretty well. I guess hmm. the equity that so I, I have do you think is this in my. Is yeah, I think the equity I have is in my my orthopedic practice, a couple of different surgery centers and that kind of thing. But that's still active income for me. I've got to be there making the, making the, or doing the work in order to make
1: the money. Yeah. Okay. Well, that was, that was my second guess. Yep. All right. That's why I love that number. Cause it's a uh, very interesting. All right. So what is your life happiness index,
0: Jeremy? I actually haven't done that one. So that's something I probably should be doing.
1: All right. So, you know, basically the life happiness index is, uh, you know, how do you rate different things? Like uh, some of the big ones are your relationship with your wife, your relationship with your kids, your relationship with your siblings, your, your horizontal income, uh, your fitness, uh, many different things. From those things that I, your free time, let's say, your travel, from those kind of things that I mentioned, which, which one would you say needs the most work that you want to work on this year?
0: Probably the relationships, both within my family and without or and outside my family. I noticed that a lot of uh, the relationships that I've had in the past have been fairly shallow and superficial discussions. And, and most people are kind of still in the rat race and the grind. And I guess part of why I would Go GoBundance is because I wanted to dream bigger and get around people who have had different mindsets. And uh, so I'm making it of a goal to actually made a goal when I first started GoBundance is to uh, call a bunch of different GoBros and just kind of introduce myself and say hi. So I found that doing that introduced me to a lot of people, but also allowed me to have conversations that were more of the, uh, you know, higher level, this kind of thing, and introducing you to different ideas.
1: Good. Good. Well, all right. So uh, what about giving ratio? How do you give back? Uh, do you know what your ratio is? Is basically you're taking the amount of money that you give, you know, by yeah, so your adjusted gross on your tax return, divided by your adjusted gross.
0: Yeah, we give away probably only around thirty thousand a year, but I also give a lot of kind of free medical advice to friends, family, you know, employees, that kind of thing. We also give some time to different local charities. We, for example, we started a uh, kind of an experience grant with one of our local charities. It's kind of like a um, a make a wish where we've sent cancer patients and their families different locations where they want to go and kind of experience some dreams and so we don't necessarily always do it in financially but we do it in some time as well and ideas
1: yeah love that love that so uh, what specifically are you not investing in whether it's not investing in now or never have invested in give me a like a kryptonite investment that you wouldn't touch
0: probably startups at this point i've uh invested Mm. in a lot of startups earlier and i've I haven't really seen any return from any of them,
1: so more of the speculative types of things. So what happened? Like, these are just people that you know, or, or, you know, how can we learn from this?
0: Yeah, people that I've known that were trying to start a business or businesses that have already started, but they're kind of just raising money to continue the business and not necessarily looking to have an exit. So I guess what I learned out of it is, you know, make sure there's a planned exit in a defined amount of time unless so that you're not just saying, okay, I'm going to continue to contribute money and you're going to continue to raise money, but it's just for the (laughs) management and the operation of the business. It's like, okay, get the money back.
1: Yeah. And that's funny. It's like they, uh, some of these deals or a lot of these deals. They just, it's like, they just keep raising. Right. And it's like, gosh, you know, there's some deals I did four or five years ago and it's like, Hey, we got a special side car going on here, and we're raising another five million dollars. I'm like, "What that? Like, at some point, we yeah. you guys going to be like self-sufficient or uh, it just it's never ending with a lot of them. I think you're right. The wrong tribe confounds. The right tribe compounds. Get your free copy of the runaway bestseller *Tribe of Millionaires*—a twenty-dollar value at tribeofmillionaires.com. Free, just pay the shipping. That's tribeofmillionaires.com. All right. So, wh- what is it that uh, makes Jeremy uh, so driven?
0: Do you think? When I was young, I had the story of my grandfather who grew up in kind of the backsticks of Arkansas and he was one of seven kids and there was like a, literally a one room schoolhouse and they were very poor he actually left arkansas i think when he was 17 or 8 maybe 16 and moved to ohio and started his own moving um, storage company so he left there he left arkansas to create space and make space for his siblings so that they could eat so i think that story has probably stuck with me and uh, given me the drive to say okay i want to you know he improved his family life. My dad continued that. And I want to continue to improve my family life for my future generations.
1: Yeah. That's an awesome visual, right? He left yeah. his house. Think about all these damn kids nowadays that don't leave their house or that, like, you know what I mean? Like,
0: or all the 30 year olds that still live in the basement,
1: <laughs> right? He left his house so that his siblings could have more food. Now that's yeah. Altruistic. I love that. I love that story. All right, so what's Jer- what would you say Jeremy's superpower is? Like, what's, uh, what makes, probably, what makes um, you great? Yeah.
0: Probably the time that I've created and the space I've created with my family to be able to do a lot of adventures and um, play. Um, so, for example, we've you know, five, maybe seven years ago, we started talking about um, you know, what do we want to do with the kids and where do we want to go. And I read a, a couple of blogs by Tim Urban called Wait But Why?, and mm-hmm. the talks about you know, 93% of the time that you spend with your kids is in the first 18 years before they leave. Mm-hmm. And so we you know, have been to places like London and Paris. We took a trip to Germany. We took a trip to Italy. We did another trip just this past winter. Our, our Thanksgiving meal this year was a, um, our Thanksgiving experience this year was a uh, guided bike tour with a um, picnic in the gardens of Versailles.
1: Mm-hmm. So we kind
0: of, said let's go play and let's get the kids out and let them experience the world and and learn more than what just traditional education is ever going to teach them.
1: You really got to right because at the end of the day you know we're going back to sports once they get busy with sports and traveling around with that and they they hate to miss a game and they hate and my kids used to hate to miss a, a day of school just because you yep. know they feel like they would fall backwards from an A to a D if they missed one lousy day. And then, you know, and then you got jobs, you know, if they get a job when they're 16. So yeah, I'm with you. I'm with you. We've always, yeah. we always did that. We always were conscious of the older that they got, the the more they're going to have independent lives. And, uh, and it's so true. And we still try to, my kids are 23 and 25 my My youngest is graduating grad school, and we're 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 getting we're gonna go to african safari and um but it's it, it's at this age it's like uh, you know we're pushing for things like when Kaylee graduates she's going to have a two week window we need to we need to make sure if we do one thing this year it's uh we do a family trip in that two week window that she graduates you know so you really got to grab it while you can I love that philosophy let's uh' and my let's
0: son. Put- my son plays baseball, and if he plays baseball, his spring breaks are gone. So, just to your point, we decided a couple of years ago is okay. Spring break, we're going to just take him out of school and go do something because you know he's not going to have those for his high school career.
1: Yeah, right. That's crazy. So, uh, yeah, you really got to think like that. You really got to think starting early too. You know, you know, yeah. even if they don't remember that a lot of it, just take take some epic photos and frame them and be like we did that and and it's just just the memory is a is an affirmation and looking at that frame of when we did something as a family that was you know and then and then hopefully they'll have that in their mind subconsciously and as time goes on and hopefully as we continue to have money we can become patriarchs in a sense where we're having enough money to say hey You know, We're going on this cruise, uh, Alaskan cruise, and grandma and grandpa are paying for the whole thing. Who's in? And everyone's like, I'm in, our kids are in, whatever. You know what I mean? So it's a a positive reinforcement of that, and it starts young.
0: Yeah, that's awesome.
1: So, Jeremy, how much do you weigh? I weigh about
0: 185.
1: Okay. What's your body fat?
0: It's probably around 12%. I haven't had it tested lately, but I hover right around there.
1: Mm. So how do you stay... I mean, what do you do? What's your exercise routine?
0: I work out probably three to five days a week, depending on what I have coming up. So, for example, I know I'm going to Aspen at the end of the month, so I've been ramping it up to five and six days a week, but I do a lot of beach body videos at home. I have Mm a home gym, so I do a lot there. And then whenever it is, whenever I do have the sunny days in Columbus, Ohio, I try to get out and run a little bit, but I'd rather
1: be working out than running. And then what what about food? What's your relationship with food? How do
0: you eat? What's your diet like? Yeah, I try to just eat kind of a well rounded diet, but I watch my portions. I do some intermittent fasting, probably three to four days a week. Drink a lot of water. Try to drink about a gallon of water a day. And um, try to eat a salad, probably four or five, pretty big salads, four to five days a week as well.
1: Okay, so how, how do you do that, right? How do you drink a gallon of water a day?
0: When I'm in the office, I just have a a bottle of water and every time I come out from a patient I pretty much take a sip of water so it's pretty much all day just kind of dripping in uh, when I'm in the operating room it's a little different because I intentionally dehydrate so I'll drink something quick in the morning I'll, you know, every morning I actually have a uh, I hyperhydrate but then during my OR day I probably don't drink much till 2 or 3 o'clock in the afternoon
1: right because you don't want to have to leave to pee right oh. that's bad form <laughs> <laughs> you're like Oh, everybody hold. (laughs) (laughs) Yep. Uh, All right, that's great. And uh, let's talk about, how old are you, first of all, Jeremy?
0: I'm 45. We'll be 46 at the end of the month.
1: All right. So let's go back 46 years, right, of uh, being a human being on planet Earth, right? And uh, if we had to look back at just like a country music star or rock star has a greatest hits album and they have their greatest hits, you know. If Jeremy had a Greatest Hits album of life experiences, or not even life experiences, but poignant moments, right? Like moments that flash through your eyes. If you were on the operating table and you thought you were going to die and you had five moments pass through your eyes over the last 46 years, what would those five moments be?
0: Yeah, and outside, obviously, the, the obvious ones of marriage and kids, I guess the first one would be, Finally graduating from all of my medical school training and becoming the, the doc that I wanted to always be. Probably the first one. The second one is coaching my daughter's and so, my daughter's softball team, my son's soccer team, and creating that environment uh, with their life lessons. Next one would be probably mission trips. So I took three different trips to Honduras uh, for medical missions, and then um, one of them to Jamaica, where we helped build a second story of a church. The next one would be right, traveling to a lot of the places that, where we've been, just with family. Then the other one, I uh, did a five-week tour over in Europe um, with a friend of mine uh, in between my first and second years of med school, so just kind of getting to know him and, and um, exploring just on our own terms and time, didn't have to have a schedule, so that was awesome. And we were over there, we actually, we were sitting in the House in Munich, Germany, and a friend of mine from high school walked in, and he was stationed over there in the military, so just kind of realizing how small of a world it is, even when you're you know, half the way. Across the world doing something else you see a friend
1: isn't that something and you could have chosen any hot bra house probably or any you know what i mean you could have went anywhere and yep. you, you would have just missed him yeah for sure that's so weird tell me about honduras what what were you doing over there uh it was a medical
0: mission trip and it was probably 91 92 93 so it's been a while ago and we went down and we had a camp a major camp kind of in one town and that's where the bunks and the, you know, it's a pretty much a third world country where we were. And we would drive every day, sometimes an hour and a half to two hours back in the mountains to these remote villages. And we'd set up usually in a church, just kind of, we'd take a whole bunch of medications and we'd also do some minor surgery stuff on patients. And they would literally be lines of people waiting out in the, out the doors. And we'd be there for, you know, eight, 10 hours and then take the truck back home. So it was pretty pretty interesting to see and just makes you uh, aware and makes you grateful for the sources and resources that we have here in the States. Yeah. Ain't that the truth?
1: All right. So now let's, let's uh, dive into the future. Uh, so uh, you're a healthy guy, right? You're going to live to 110, I predict. So <laughs> give me the next, you know, give give me, uh, give me what you got coming all the way up to 110. What do you, what do you think that the, uh, your future five
0: greatest hits are going to be? So, um, one of them is I'm, I want to cat ski or a heli ski and I'm actually going to cat ski in Aspen so that's going to be one of them that I'm checking off my bucket list. Nice. Uh, another one is I do want to do an African safari so when you get back I want to get your experience from that. Alright. I'd love to see the, uh, the pyramids and the Sphinx in Egypt. I like the idea of living my legacy which, without just leaving it so doing the things that I want to do and not just saying what I want to do, but just kind of being very intentional about, um, you know, doing it. And then the last one, and I'm going to steal this one from Tim road is to be in the family picture when I'm 90 years old, which you know encompasses the health and encompasses the relationships and encompasses a lot of the stuff that, uh, I think abundance stands for, which I appreciate.
1: Yeah. I love that one at Tim. And I, I actually, uh, you know, got a video of him saying that and, uh, watch it from time to time. It's one of the most brilliant things that Tim said. And, uh, It's, uh, guys, if you haven't heard it, it's basically, you know, you want to start believing now, doesn't matter how old you are, doesn't matter if you're 20, that you are the patriarch in a family photo of you being 95, right? That you're that guy sitting on the stool in the front and everybody else is fanned out behind you, right? And in order for you to be that little old man, that's this amazing patriarch, you have to stay healthy, right? You have to continue to build wealth because you you know it it helps if you have money. And 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 some people might disagree with me on this, but um, stay healthy, stay building wealth, stay active, keep your mind mental so you don't get Alzheimer's or dementia. Uh, there's a lot of things that you need to do, and Keep good relationships. I mean, in order for that, in order for all those people to fan out behind you, you got to be talking to them. And there's a lot of people I know in, in the tribe that, don't, you know, don't talk to their siblings, you know, myself included. I have a sister who doesn't talk to me. So it's uh, so there's so many things we need to think about. So I love that one, too. Yeah. Where, where's your what's your uh, where do you want to be? You know, what's your biggest goal? What's your biggest business goal the next 12 months?
0: in the next 12 months, I'm not sure, but in the next four years, I want to be financially free where I don't have to be, I don't have to go to work every day. I want to be able Mm -hmm. to take some time and have that freedom of, of choice and kind of who I want to be with and who I want to surround myself with. And that's kind of my, my big goal over the next four years.
1: And so tell me about your practice, like, um, just so I can get a concept of, how it runs and how you're involved and, and what would have to happen for you to step out of that?
0: Yeah. So I'm in a group of about 28 docs and we're Mm -hmm. private practice. So we kind of all own the business. Some of us are partners that we own the business. Some of them are employees where they don't have any ownership, but that's kind of, I'm trying to look for more and find out uh, how to be more collaborative with them and and more creative. But that's kind of a, a frustration of medicine is, there's not a lot of uh, collaboration sometimes and there's a, almost a ceiling of, of achievement and it's tough to kind of get above and break through that ceiling. So that's what I'm trying to figure out how to do, <clears throat> whether it's in my practice or, you know, potentially without.
1: So would you sell that? Would you sell your share or would you, yeah. or can you keep your share and leverage it?
0: No, you'd have to sell the share and because if you're not practicing, they you know, understandably don't want you there. Mm, okay. <laughs> so you've got to be actively participating.
1: <laughs> you can't delegate your, uh, delegate your part and keep a little cut off the top, huh? Right. So that's what you would do in four years, you would hope to, to do.
0: Yeah, or at least be able to do that. So even if I decide not to truly depart medicine, I want to be able to have some of that freedom to say, you know what, I, I, don't, want to, I don't want to be doing that right now. I'm going to do that in a little bit or I'm going to do that on my own time.
1: Just to have that freedom. I love it. It's kind of like having your house paid off. Right? It doesn't really... Yeah. Not a lot of financial sense in it, but it just has that little thing in the back, little voice in the back of your head. Well, everything, if the shit hits the fan, you know, my house is paid off. It's the same thing. Well, if it doesn't work out, right. I could i could quit. You know, I don't need it. All right, so let's uh, wrap this up by spinning uh, the GoBundance app to a random question. You ready? Sure. All right, Dr. Jeremy... What is the largest gathering of human beings you have ever attended? Hmm.
0: It would probably be a medical conference where there were, I think, over 20,000 people and all, all physicians and kind of physician's assistants together talking about Madison.
1: 20,000?
0: I think so, yeah.
1: Jeez. That's a lot of people. Where was that? Las Vegas? It was. Yep. Yeah. There's only so many people. Only so many places in the United States you can do that, you know. Um, yeah. I think Orlando, Vegas. Very few. Interesting. Yeah. All right. Good stuff. Well, Jeremy, it was great getting to know you. I appreciate you coming on and uh, uh, sharing everything today. And I will be in Aspen, so we will get together and uh, break some bread.
0: Awesome. Looking forward to it, Pat. I appreciate it. You To be honest, I failed as much as I've succeeded, but I love my wife, I love my life, and I wish you my kind of success.
1: Step to me, bitch. Now